Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. God does this? Well, I know I went off on that a little bit, but this is the answer to the why question. Why God hates these things. He hates these things because He loves us so much. And He doesn't want us to needlessly, unnecessarily suffer the consequences of what doing these things will bring upon our lives. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Proverbs. God's commandments are for your protection. In today's message from Pastor J.D., he teaches you that God gives His commandments for your own well-being and protection. He knows the ways that will be most beneficial for you to walk in. Keep close to God's Word and stay obedient to His commands. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Proverbs chapter 6 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. What is it about us when we hear of something that someone did or has done or is doing, and there's that part of us that's, wow, really? You don't say? And oh, we're very clever, and we we couch it in very noble and spiritual terms, don't we? Hey, we need to pray for so-and-so. No, what happened? Oh. I mean, we... We laugh, I understand. I mean, we chuckle at that. But I'm here to tell you that in my experience over the years on the mainland, I have watched this destroy lives, destroy families, destroy ministries. Churches lie in the wake of the discord that was sown among the brethren. Pastors their character assassinated, and they are guilty until proven innocent. Come on, right? All you have to hear about somebody is, they, I hear they do that. (gasps) No, you'll never look at them the same again. You can't. As far as you're concerned, you're judge and jury in your mind. You've already passed judgment on them. I knew it. They're guilty. I I knew something wasn't right about him. Why does God hate this? That's really the question. And I want to talk about this for, if you'll indulge me, because this is one of those places in Scripture where I think it's incumbent upon us to know the why behind the what. So the question isn't so much that God hates these things. Why does God hate these things? You know why God hates these things? Because of what these things do to us. I think about the Ten Commandments. I was talking with somebody on the phone today and and I was just reminded of uh, how someone once referred to the Ten Commandments as 
the tender commandments. Because it's a loving Heavenly Father who loves us so much, He doesn't want to see us needlessly suffer the consequences, which we're going to talk about later. And, and so He says, don't do this, because if you do this, it is going to bring untold damage and harm to you. And I love you so much, and I can't stand to watch you go through that. I'm trying to protect you. It's a loving, tender loving Heavenly Father. Thou shalt not commit murder. Why? Because you will be haunted and hunted for all the days of your life. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Never imagine. God says, thou shalt not because I'm God and I said so. That's why. No. Why does God hate divorce? Because of what divorce does to the divorced. That's why. God doesn't hate the divorced. He hates divorce because of what divorce does to the divorced. That's why He hates it. That's why He hates these things. He Don't covet, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife and car and Mercedes that he just bought. I can't believe he just pulled up in a brand new Mercedes and here I am driving this Yugo. Remember those Yugos? <laughs> those Yugos are Go-Go's now, <laughs> they're gone. But don't, don't covet. Why? Because it will destroy you and eat you from the inside out, and it will defile you. That's why the writer of Hebrews says, don't let bitterness take root in your life. Don't allow it to germinate and sprout, because bitterness will destroy you. Resentment, envy, covetousness, jealousy, it'll eat your lunch. That's why, that's why I don't want you to do this. Don't have any other gods before me, because those are no gods at all, and those gods are not going to be there for you. <laughs> you know you have a false god or a graven image when you have to take care of your god instead of your god taking care of you. I think about the god Dagon, appropriately named. This was the god of the Ninevites, by the way. And it was a half man, half fish God. It's probably one of the most, I mean, I just, you know, God has a sense of humor, right? I mean, I'm reminded of that every time I look at my face in the mirror. God, you, you're, you're too funny. But this God was half man, half fish. And the Philistines had this Dagon in their temple, and they captured the Ark of the Covenant. You know the Ark of the Covenant, where the Shekinah glory of God dwelt when it was in the tabernacle, in the Holy of Holies, and then subsequently in the temple. And they had captured the Ark of the Covenant. And somebody came up with this great idea. Let's take the Israelites' Ark of the Covenant, and let's put it in our temple next to our God, Dagon. Great! So they did. Next morning they come in, and their, their Dagon God, half man, half fish, has fallen <laughs> on its face 
before the Ark of the Covenant. How apropos is that, right? Only the arms like broke off and so the head broke off and so they had to pick up their God and put their God back together and stand there. <laughs> Daggone it! <laughs> I don't know if that's why they came up with that name, but you know you got a problem when you've got to like glue your God back together and put Him back together and, and it happened again. And finally they, they figured it out. Hey, let's get rid of this Ark of the Covenant. You think? By the way, the Ninevites, you know, they worshipped this god Dagon, half man, half fish. Think about Jonah. So <laughs> this is why I believe it is that the entire city of Nineveh repented. Jonah didn't even preach a gospel message. There was no good news. There was nothing like, hey, if you repent, you'll be saved. It was like, hey, in 40 days, God is going to just, I mean, torch you, and I cannot wait. And I'm going to go over here now, and I'm going to wait, and I'm going to watch, and God is just going to, I mean, you are done, man. You are toast. He's going to fry you and judge you. And much to his dismay and consternation, they repented. He even got mad at God about it. Now, before you get too hard on him, you need to understand that the Ninevites were like what we would see the Islamic State. They would impale the Israelites, and I mean, they would just torture them with these horrible, I mean, evil, you know, ways. They would prey on the elderly and the disabled. And they were just evil through and through. <laughs> and that's why Jonah wanted to go in the opposite direction and run from God when God says, I want you to go to Nineveh. I ain't going to Nineveh. Are you kidding me? No, you're going to Nineveh. You know the story, right? Listen, It actually happened, by the way. And he tries to run from God. He ends up on this ship, and all of a sudden here comes this storm. <laughs> Jonah has the you know, at least he's honest. He says, you know what, I'm so sorry, you guys. You know, we're all on this, in this because of me. So if you throw me overboard, then the storm's going to stop. And they're like, dude, bye-bye. And they throw him overboard. And then this huge fish, many believe a whale, which they've proven, by the way, that a man can survive inside the belly of a whale for three days. I mean, all of the acids, the stomach acids, inside of a whale would have, I mean, bleached him white. It would have been extremely hot. We even have a reference to that. And so God's going to get him there one way or the other. In this big fish, He's going to get this man in a fish to Nineveh who worships a fish man-god. Now think about this. You're a Ninevite, and you worship a God that is half man, half fish, and then one day you're at the beach. Here comes your God, and out comes a man out of the fish. You got my attention. And he basically has this God's going to burn you and fry you and torch you message, and they repent. And that's why. 
I think that's funny. I just, Jonah would have never been asked to speak at any conference, I believe, you know, yet he was responsible, I mean, you know, by the grace of God, he was responsible for the largest revival we have recorded in the pages of Holy Scripture. I think about Jeremiah, affectionately known as the weeping prophet. Not one person got saved under his ministry. He's another guy. You would never ask Jeremiah to come to speak. To, he, he has, nobody gets saved under, under his ministry. Not one person. So here's the prophet Jeremiah. Here's the prophet Jonah. And God does this. Well, I know I went off on that a little bit, but this is the answer to the why question. Why God hates these things. He hates these things because He loves us so much. And He doesn't want us to needlessly, unnecessarily suffer the consequences of what doing these things will bring upon our lives. Verse 20, My son, keep your father's command, and do not forsake the law of your mother. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. When you roam, they will lead you. When you sleep, they will keep you. And when you awake, they will speak with you. For the commandment, verse 23, is a lamp, and the law a light. Kind of reminds me of what David said in Psalm 119, Thy word, O Lord, is a light unto my path, a lamp unto my feet. It lights the way. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. To keep you, verse 24, from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress. Do not, verse 25, lust after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread, and an adulteress will prey upon his precious life. Can a man, this is pretty descriptive, verse 27, Can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Clearly a rhetorical question. No, that cannot happen. Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? No, that's impossible. Of course, rhetorical. So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. People, verse 30, do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. He who does so destroys his own soul wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. For jealousy 
is a husband's fury. Therefore, he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will accept no recompense, nor will he be appeased, though you give many gifts. This is a warning, again, from a tender, loving father, wanting to protect his son, his children if you prefer, from the horrific consequences of adultery, doing something like this, sexual immorality. And it's specific to the young man, naive perhaps, as we're going to see in the next chapter, who is easily led astray and seduced by the evil woman. We're going to have a pretty graphic description of this here in the next chapter, chapter 7. Perhaps it goes without saying, but the warnings concerning sexual sin is going to be a recurring theme throughout the book of Proverbs. And more specifically, it's going to underscore and highlight the consequences that will always ensue. Now you have to understand that sin is not bad because it's forbidden. Sin is forbidden because it's bad. Let me say the same thing in a different way, especially when it comes to sexual sin. Again, God isn't saying, don't do this because it's bad. I'm God and I said so. It's forbidden. No. He's saying, don't do this because if you do this, here's what could happen. You're going to commit adultery with another man's wife, and he finds out, see ya, wouldn't want to be ya. Nothing is going to, I mean, he is going to be enraged. You know how many guys are incarcerated, life in prison, without parole, first degree murder, for what we just read? I want to protect you of this. Yeah, but, oh my goodness, I mean, (laughs) I, I just, you know, One of the things that I think pastors do err greatly in is when it comes to sin, we we don't represent it in a correct way. Sin is very attractive. I mean, it it has to be, otherwise there's no temptation. I think of Joseph with Potiphar's wife. You know that in the account we are given the detail that she would on a daily basis, I imagine that she many times throughout the day, every day, all day, tried to seduce him, and he would not have it. And he kept resisting her. Now you have to know that she had to be extremely seductive. She, she had to have been very beautiful and sensual. I mean, first of all, men like Potiphar, men in position like that, powerful men, <laughs> they usually have, you know, beautiful women for wives, number one. The other reason I believe that she was very seductive, very beautiful, very sensual, very tempting, was because Joseph ran as fast as he could 
as far away as he could from her. If she was not, if that was not a temptation, I mean, he's just going to look, you know, I mean, if, she, if she wasn't seductive, Joseph's like, can you please stop? I mean, he's not running and leaving his coat, because there's no temptation. It, sexual sin has to be attractive, otherwise it's not tempting. We're not going to be seduced. So Satan will always package the temptation in a seductive way. And here's this description of this man who, I mean, she's apparently batting her eyes. You know how women can just give a guy a look and oh, that's it. That's all it takes. Poor guy. Here's the thing. The bitterness of the consequences lasts infinitely longer than the sweetness of the pleasure of the sin. It lasts but for a moment. But the consequences of that sin last infinitely longer than the pleasure, the momentary pleasure of giving in to that sin, that sexual seductive sin. Well, chapter 7 Here again we're going to get (laughs) a very interesting picture painted on the canvas of a seduction in progress. (laughs) My son, again starts off the same way, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. You know how we tie things on our fingers to remind us? Tie, put a string around our fingers to remember something? Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin. Why? Oh, verse 5, that they, speaking of wisdom as your sister and nearest of kin, your understanding, your nearest of kin, they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. This is key because this is where guys get in trouble. Because see, guys have egos, right? And so man, all it takes is for some sweet young thing to say, oh, you're, you're so amazing. What else have you noticed about me? You're so handsome. You're so strong. You're so smart. You're so, how about this one? And we're going to see it in a moment. You're so spiritual. The words of wisdom the book of Proverbs provides weren't meant to only be applied to life in the author's time. They were also meant to benefit generations to come, including you. All ages and walks of life can benefit from this book in this modern world. Proverbs gives you practical advice for living a life that's pleasing to your Creator. It also shares insight for ways to interact with others to not only show love, but to model Jesus. Pastor J.D. will have more to share from Proverbs when you join us next time on In Spirit and Truth. In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from Pastor J.D. at our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast, connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, and even download our mobile app. 
This is a great way to keep Pastor J.D.'s teachings with you wherever you go and even share them with others. You'll find a link to download at our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. We also invite you to check out Pastor J.D.'s weekend update, the Mideast Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to prophecies of the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. You'll find these updates on our mobile app or on our website. One more time, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have time for today. We pray you've been encouraged by this teaching in Proverbs and that you'll continue to study them on your own. Tune in next time for more right here on In Spirit and Truth.